Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Radio with Joe Beam. Tonight we're talking about how divorce affects kids, whatever their age might be. You know, back in the 1970s, I think it was, some of the pundits, when it comes to counseling, began to make uh, decisions such as, you know, really you're better off if you divorce. The kids will do better if you do. And so, therefore, don't stay married for the sake of the kids. Go ahead and get your divorce, and the kids will come out better. The research since then has shown that that's not necessarily been the case. As a matter of fact, there have been a lot of things found that aren't very good when it comes to how divorce affects kids. Even on this program last week, a woman called, and she was talking about the fact that her husband was saying, oh, our divorce is not going to have any negative effect on our children, and we'll just go ahead and do this, and don't worry about how it affects them whatsoever at all. And she was asking you know, what can I say to my husband? Can I say to him, well, you're right. Or can I say, no, no, these are some of the facts that have been found. The research continues, not done by what we would consider to be people who are biased uh, against divorce, such as religious institutions or religious researchers. But I'm talking about good, solid research by scholars out there from various universities and et cetera, that don't really have an agenda. They're just trying to find out how in the world does divorce affect a kid? And what we're discovering is that at various ages, it still has negative effect on your kids, even if your kids are grown. Now, tonight with me on this program, I have the executive director and CEO of Mary Jelper, the nonprofit for which I work, Kimberly Holmes, who is with us. She is calling in from Texas and also the project director for a new project for us that we're doing at Mary Jelper called Divorce Help for Kids. So, His name is Justin Prince. Uh, Kimberly, first of all, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Also, I'm hearing some background noise, uh, like air running behind you. You must be where there's an air conditioner running or something because we can hear it pretty loudly. Justin, are you with us? (laughs) Hey, Joe, I'm here as well. (laughs) Okay. Well, when we start this off, we can start it off by, well, I think I'm just going to throw it open to begin with, and that's this. Um, How many children out there are being affected? And I'm assuming when I say children now, I'm talking about children who are still living at home. How many children out there are are experiencing the divorce of their parents in America in our current culture? Hi, Joe. Yeah, this is something I can answer. Well, the University of Maryland actually did a study. Now, given this is children just 18 and under to parents who are married, that 1.2 million children every year experience the divorce of their parents. And one thing that's interesting to note is that's not considering people who are not married and have children. So this is strictly children whose parents are married. But, again, 1.2 million every year. And those are the ones who are 18 and younger. So we're not talking about the adult children. As a matter of fact, Dr. Frank Scott, who is the head of the Counseling Center at Lipscomb University, I teach adjunct faculty in the psychology department at Lipscomb University, and a little while back, Frank and I were talking about this, and he was telling me that college-age students come into the Counseling Center there with all kinds of problems they're dealing with because of their parents' divorce. 
So, Kimberly, you and Justin, and I realize that I'm throwing it both, at both of you at the same time, so there may be a little overlap in, you know, one of you trying to talk rather than, than the other. But can you just talk about some of the things that we have read in research, valid research, that are the effects, the, the way that divorce impacts children, even adult children? Yeah, I, I think that the big question is actually where do we want to start? You know, what uh, – Start with the thing that you think is the most – the thing that you think is most impactful, something that you read that just hit you and you thought, oh, my goodness, that needs not to happen. Start with one of those. Okay. I actually found two that really just floored me. And I was reading back through my master's thesis because I actually did my master's thesis on the negative effects of divorce on children. So I was I was going back through that again today, and one of the researchers by – I'm really going to mess these names up, but – Wickstrom, Belsky, and Berg Nielsen, um, and this was done in 2013, so it's still relatively new in the in the eyes of statistics and research. But these researchers, uh, they really started following how parents' anxiety levels when they're going through a divorce impacts the children. And little research had been done on it before, but early onset anxiety can actually be a precursor for children to many other things like mental disorders or ADHD or many other things that can be really difficult for the child to get through in the future. And the researchers uh, in this study, it indicated that the prevalence of the parental anxiety for a child as early as the age of four led to an increased risk that the child would have their own anxiety, heavy anxiety by the age of six, only two years later. And uh, so basically it ended up saying it should be assessed that parents experiencing marital problems or divorce leads to a heightened level of anxiety, which can also contribute to the anxiety levels and anxiety disorders of their own children, okay. even as young as the age of four years old. All right, let me play devil's advocate here for a minute then. Then if somebody's listening, we're saying, well, then that's the reason we should divorce because of the fact that as soon as we get the divorce over, we can get our own anxiety done away with and therefore not affect the kids negatively. How would you respond to that? Oh, so much of the research, and you, you said it a little too quickly. I'd have to scroll through, but I actually have the, the source from this. But so much of the research has indicated in multiple studies saying that the worst thing that can happen for a child is for the parents to divorce and stay in high conflict. The worst thing for a child is to be around high conflict, period. That's why back in the 70s or whenever it was you said, they had that wrong assumption that if you get the children away from the conflict, it's better for the children. But it's actually to where if the, if the conflict stays and the parents divorce, that's the worst situation. The best situation is for the parents to stay together and the con to uh, to lessen, to go away, um, and then that middle okay. ground would that middle uh, ground I, would be. What are you going to say? I'm going to play devil, devil's advocate again. If I'm sitting here thinking I'm about to divorce my wife, I'm I'm going to use what you just said to justify my divorce. Because as soon as we get the divorce over, then the conflict will end and the kids will be better off. Is that what these statistics lead to? Well, yeah. that is not what these statistics lead to. 
Well, why not? I'm, I'm just going by what you just said. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. I advocate. Obviously, I'm on your side. I agree. But I'm trying to think in the terms of the people who are listening, who are saying, I'm looking for justification that it's not going to cause my kids harm if I divorce. And if you're saying, okay, then it's the conflict that's causing them divorce, then the quicker we get the divorce over and get past the conflict, the better off we're going to be for the kids. So how would you respond to that? Right. Justin, I'll let, I'll let you jump in here yeah, in absolutely. just a minute. Um, but the here, if you could do that, it's like how scripture. If they have a certain thing in their mind, they're going to hear it a certain way and use it to their advantage to what they want to happen. If someone's in that mindset, then they then they could do that. But here's here's the truth of the matter: just because a marriage ends does not mean problems end. It does not mean that things are automatically going to get better just because people are separated. In fact. The majority of the people that leave the, the children are the fathers. That's just that's the research, that's the statistics. Most of the time, the mothers get custody of the children. Fathers who leave the, the, the house while they are separated and the conflict may subside because they're not together all the time, they also lose touch with their children. The research uh, indicates that actually after a year of being away, for a year, a year after divorce, 50% of fathers have distanced themselves from their children and are not a, an integral part of their lives, and up to 65% of fathers end up having very little to do with their children after a divorce happens. So someone can use that and say, you know what, that's a good reason to divorce uh, because we're going to stop the conflict, we're going to get away from each other. But what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the situation of believing that you're going to make things better for your kids when in actuality you're splitting their hearts apart. And not only that, but one of the parents is most of the time going to end up being not a part of the child's life. So while the conflict is gone, so is the parent. It it rips the house in two. Okay. And I agree that people will hear what they want to hear, but I'm, I'm, Having been a man who divorced my wife and left my children, I'm going to be. I'm just trying to get you to address exactly how I, I was thinking at the time, which was okay. But I'm not going to be that dad, and I wasn't that dad. I actually saw my kids every other weekend, and I saw it as we're going to have less conflict because of the fact that I'm gone. And so, so far, and, and I realize we have a lot more to present. A lot more to present. I'm just trying to say there's a lot more to it than the fact that. If you're having conflict in the home, it's going to affect the kids. We're saying that divorce itself, even if you're justifying it by saying, well, at least now we can back off on the conflict. And I am one of those dads who will be involved with my kids. And by the way, there are dads that do. I did. So what are some other things out there? And, and maybe Justin needs to jump in here as well. What are some other things out there then we need to say, okay, even if you're thinking like that, let us show you some more things that the research is indicating about how your divorce is going to affect your kids. Absolutely, absolutely. So conflict, I, I agree. That's one facet that can affect the children. But it's also when you split the family, you're splitting the income as well. So there was a, a study by actually it was the Census Bureau's current population survey that did a survey and just said, okay, so let's just do a survey indicating, you know, what is the income level of women with children who are divorced? And it said that 55% of women with children who are divorced are beneath the poverty line. And you're thinking, okay, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's impactful. But if you stop and you look, okay, 
you know, what all does that impact? Say the mother was at home. Now she's not. She has to work. Let's say the child may live in a certain neighborhood. When you cut that income in half, they may not be able to live in that, in that neighborhood. Well, let's say the child's in activities, you know, sports and games and, you know, things that cost additional money. So it's not just for the conflict. The income drastically changes, and that changes not only the child's potential home, but also where they go to school, what activities they're in, what friends they have. So you can see that it's a ripple effect that not only affects just the child's, you know, parent who's not there and they're struggling with that, but now they may struggle with the fact that their, their home is lost or their friends are gone, and now their school is gone. So you can see that, you know, divorce, it's not just the conflict, but it's a ripple effect of different things that happen. So that, that's one other additional thing that can be incredibly impactful on the child. Okay, and I'm, I'm hearing the big picture, and I think all you're saying is very important, uh, both Kimberly and Justin. Okay, we got a good likelihood that uh, more than half of the kids are going to wind up in poverty level. We understand that the uh, anxiety that the parents go through, or at least I guess, Kimberly, that would be even if just one parent goes through the anxiety through the divorce process, that can affect the kids, even little bitty kids, four-year-olds, where that by six they have anxiety problems. And, and I see the big picture, and we're looking at that saying, wow, divorce really affects kids, no doubt about it. But let's just see if we can hone in a little bit more and say, okay, for the people who are listening going, oh, yeah, but I make a lot of money, and therefore my kids aren't going to live in poverty. I'm going to be the good dad or good mom, and I'm going to make sure we don't have any anxiety because we're going to have this peaceful divorce. While all the things you're saying are very applicable and important and need to be shared, speak to that man or woman about what the research indicates can happen to their kids if they're saying, my kids are not going to have poverty. They're going to get to live in the same house, and we're not going to be fighting in, anymore. Does it still affect those kids? And if so, how? You know, it does. I mean, even if, even if it was the most amicable divorce and even if there is money to spare, um, the fact of the matter is a child has to watch the stability of his or her home change. And no matter what age the child is, although the, the greatest effects do happen prior to the age of 15, just because of the understanding and reasoning levels of those children, um, it's very difficult for them to watch that happen because their world shifts and it shakes. And what they saw as stability and commitment all of a sudden turns into a lot of questioning, a lot of feeling like, very unsure about themselves, wondering if they had anything to do with it because these two people who are supposed to love each other and love them no longer love each other. And so naturally that next fear is, are they going to stop loving me? Um, everything was stable. Now everything's changed. And, and when that change occurs, I mean, that's when you start seeing things like the uh, increase of anger and hostile behavior uh, anxiety like we talked about, the change in how kids do in school, even the change that, that Justin has mentioned many times when we've talked about this, about how um, for females in particular, that's one of the reasons of the increased pregnancy rate in teenagers because they're looking for that stable love and they look for it in all the wrong places. And so there's an increase in, uh, you know, in the amount of sex that they have before marriage and which can lead to pregnancy so on and so forth. I mean, the list just goes on and on. But as 
as they get older, it affects their future marriages. It it just does. And and in the research that uh, that they did, some of the children they weren't children when they did the research, but they it was a longevity research, which means that they started when the child was in the adolescent years and followed the child throughout the next 10 to 15 years until them getting married, all of those kinds of things. And, and they, they found that um, it, it had an, an impact on the amount of relationships and amount of marriage relationships that a child who experienced divorce will have because since they saw their parents divorce, it's easier for them to divorce as well. Yeah, the the some of the research about that indicates that it changes the uh the the child and of course the child can be older like you know upper and teenager et cetera, that it changes the child's perception of the longevity of marriage. In other words, you know, if a kid grows up in a home where you have two parents married to each other and they're married and and the kid grows all the way up, goes off to college or goes off to work or whatever, then they kind of have a mindset of marriage is intended to be a lifetime kind of thing. That's what my parents are committed to. And therefore that becomes part of my, my system. Whereas the uh, interesting research indicating that when parents divorce, it actually tends to affect the kid's view of the longevity of marriage. In other words, they have a different view of marriage being something that lasts a long time. They actually view marriage as being something that lasts a short time. Therefore, if they wind up in some kind of marital discord or difficulty, it is much more likely that they will bail out, that they'll leave it, because that's the example they grew up with. And so that's what you're talking about, Kimberly. That that research is out there. That's pretty powerful. No matter how much you love the child, no matter how much you get them away from conflict, no matter how much money, much money they have, overall, it generally affects their view of the permanency of marriage. Now, there's other research out there indicating that also kids whose parents have gone through divorce tend to do not as well on math and science. Now, here's the reasoning behind that, that those are topics that require more logic and that kids who have been emotionally in turmoil because of what's happened with their parents tend to have more difficulty with the subjects that require, such as math or science. And then another thing that you mentioned there, which is, and this happens with a lot of kids, because right now it, it could be people actually saying, oh, yeah, well, but, but that hasn't affected my kids' grades. And, boy, I'm, I keep telling my kids what marriage really is for a last lifetime, and I keep trying to put that into them. With the fact that you say that is not going to be nearly as powerful as what you do, of course, we understand that. But that other thing you mentioned, and then let's get Justin involved a little more. The other thing you mentioned, which is I've talked to a great number of adults. Now, I don't have research on this. This is, a, this is um, anecdotal from my visiting with tons and tons and tons of people over the, over the years, asking people whose parents divorced when they were kids. And nearly every one of these people has said what you said a minute ago, Kimberly, which is somehow I wondered if this were my fault. If somehow I contributed to this, somehow I made this happen. And even when we know that's not a logical conclusion for a kid to come to, it's the emotional thing they go through. Because we know that one of the greatest fears any kid has is that he's going to lose a parent or she's going to lose a parent. And when that happens, they often look at themselves. And then finally, I'm going to reiterate what you just said and forgive the redundancy. If I don't feel that I've been loved like I need to be loved, then I may wind up seeking that very quickly in life, early in life, in relationships I shouldn't be in. So 
I think now, Kimberly, you're getting right at the heart of these things as well. Justin, what do you, uh, well, well, Justin, uh, in addition to what we've already said, here's a question. Kimberly already implied it. I'm going to ask you specifically, does divorce affect the child for the rest of his or her life, or is it just a temporary effect? Yes, Joe, that's a great question. And actually, um, Dr. Kathleen Cochran is somebody who's actually an expert on this, and she did a study. And the big, one of the biggest things that she's talked about in all of her studies is divorce is not a moment in a child's life. It's a process. It's something that there are different stages of the divorce where the child may actually internalize. And, they say, and she's actually stated that, you know, girls may internalize a lot more of the effects. So parents may assume that, oh, you know, she's handling this very well. And it may not surface until many years later, and whereas boys may externalize a lot more of their behaviors in the beginning. But divorce has long-term effects on the children because it's such a process, because not only if you're getting to the relational aspects later in life, but the beginning aspects for when children are just beginning to understand and create that emotional stability. Um, they actually, it was I think it was the Journal of Adolescent Development that said teenage children, by the time they get to a teenage years, of divorced parents are three times more likely to need psychological help within the year. And now Dr. Cochran talks about this extensively saying, you know, it's not something that is just, oh, it's a blip. When the child was six years old, we had divorce, and the divorce process was over and completed, and now the child's in teenage years, and they've processed and moved on. It's not. It's something that needs to be revisited and worked through because the child may have suppressed Typically, as Dr. Conker mentions, if she's a girl that's gone through her parents' divorce, it is more likely for her to internalize these actions, and they become more externalized when they're a teenager. So uh, to answer your question, Joe, no, it's, it's not a moment. Divorce is actually a longstanding process that affects children all the way into their adult years, as Kimberly was mentioning, where they look at their own relationships. That's That's something that should make people think deeply. I mean, look at about how we can affect a kid's life. Kimberly, you're very passionate about this. And obviously one thing we do is that we say, okay, here's what we'd like to help you with. We'd like to help you save your marriage. And that's why our nonprofit exists. And we have lots of people who come to our intensive workshops because we're saying the best thing you can do for your kids is to, is to salvage this marriage. Also, we're telling them it's not just for your kids, but the best thing to do for you. So, Kimberly, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here and, and, and get Justin back involved, too. The first question, Kimberly, is, so what do you say when somebody says, well, people telling me, even my counselor told me, I should not stay married for the sake of my kids. That's the first question. I want you to deal with that. And then secondly, in addition to those things to help your marriage, let's start bridging over, and we'll involve Justin at that point. What other resources are there for the kids? Because it may be that you're saying, I can't save my marriage. I'm doing everything I can, but my spouse refuses, and he or she is bound and determined to leave here, and therefore I'm looking for other resources. So those two questions. Number one, what about those people who say, I'm getting advice that I should not stay married for the sake of my children? And number two, other than helping their marriages, what resources are available to help people with their kids? Right. You know, one of the another interesting statistic that I that I had read earlier today was Twofold, and I'll just summarize both of them kind of together, but basically two different studies found that social impact has such a strong hold on a person that it actually overrides the children's benefit. So what that means is 
if someone is telling someone that they need to divorce because they deserve to be happy, X, Y, Z, that actually plays a bigger part in a person's mind. They're more influenced by social peer pressure than they are thinking about the well-being of their child, which says more about America and the way that we do things than um, in a negative way than I would like it to. So basically, um, that, that social peer pressure is strong, and people love company. Misery loves company. And so a lot of the times the people who are telling you to divorce because you need to be happy, because you shouldn't only stay married for your children – uh, those are people who might have experienced divorce themselves, might have made those decisions because of that, and they're wanting to influence you. If that's going on, you need to think for yourself. It's it's hard to make the decision of whether or not to proceed in the divorce, how to, how to handle that. It's very hard. But if you're going to be looking for mentorship and advice on what to do, don't go to friends or a family and even some counselors if they don't hold the beliefs and values that you hope your your that you hold or that you hope an an ideal situation and an ideal marriage um to have if they don't if they're not seeing things eye to eye as you then don't listen to them just because someone's a counselor or a therapist doesn't make them right we right. know that to be true uh in many situations. Uh But before you, let me just read uh, something we came in because I I want you to put this into what you're talking about. A woman actually sent this to us. She said, my husband and I are living together, but in separate bedrooms. He's considering a divorce and believes that our daughter will be just fine. As far as we have an evenly split custody, that is a week with him and another week with me. Interestingly enough, he didn't used to think that over a year ago when I found out he was having an affair, I wanted to leave him. But instead, he talked me into staying. He told me how hard his parents' divorce was on him. He was eight at the time, and his mom moved him and his sister out of, out of their estate. It devastated him. So I stayed, but things didn't approve. In fact, I believe he's having another affair and rewriting history. That's something else we can talk about later. Now, he goes on and says, I love him, and I want to save our marriage. I want him to stay, but I also want him to be fully informed of the true consequences a divorce could bring to our eight-year-old daughter, who's already acting out at school and already in therapy. I fear a divorce will further damage her behavior at school and home. Now, here's the situation, and I'm going to reiterate, very, just summarize what she said and ask you to put that into what you just were talking about, Kimberly. Here's a husband who said, it devastated me when I was a kid, and therefore he was totally against it. But now that he's involved with somebody else, it's like, oh, well, it won't hurt our kid at all as long as we have shared custody, a week with me and a week with you. So in in the context of what you were just talking about, reply to that. Right. So, I mean, what's happening here is clearly someone who is wanting their emotions to be justified by their actions. So, like you were saying, he's he's rewriting history. He's found someone that he wants to be with, and so he's wanting to believe in his mind that everything's going to be fine for the child, and he's living in a moment of not real. It's, it's not a reality. What he's living in is not reality. And so here's the difficulty, though. When someone's in a state like that, bringing them statistics and facts of here's what the research says, they're still not going to believe it. 
So it, they're still going to think they're the exception. They're still going to forget about those things that they said. Um, it's very difficult in a time like that. And I think, you know, if I was the mom, if I was the wife in this instance, I would know that there's no amount of 70%, 80%, you know, 50%. There's no number I could give him that's going to change his mind of how this is going to affect our daughter. The only thing that I can do is let my daughter share her emotions as real and as vividly as she can and not try to hide him from the negative consequences that are happening in the household right now. Does that mean he's going to believe it and see it? No, it doesn't. But eventually he will. He can't help what, but eventually see it. Right. But, but this is just perfect uh, illustration of what you were saying. Often it's, it's not somebody being analytical that gives the advice, oh, the kids will be fine if we divorce. Here was a guy that said, it killed me when I was a kid, just destroyed me. We can't do that. Uh-huh. And now, because his emotional situation changes with somebody else, all of a sudden he changes his whole view, which is what you were saying about right. typically the people who are saying, oh, divorce won't negatively affect the kids, are people with some kind of an agenda, right? Because oh, they're yeah. not looking right. objectively at the kid. <laughs> Justin, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And to, to speak to that situation, I would say it already is. Um, he's already engaged in what it sounds like another relationship and contemplating divorce, and it sounds like he's already moving on. And yet you stop and you hear the, the little anecdote, anecdotes about the daughter. She's already struggling in school. Mm-hmm. She's already seeing a therapist. So I would say the fact that he's not focusing on that relationship now, I can guarantee it's impacting the daughter. To what degree? I, obviously, I don't know, but I would say – he is, it's not he's putting blinders on his past, but it's obviously something that he could relate to at one point saying, you know, I remember when I was, you know, going through the divorce of my parents and how it impacted me. And, you know, I had to move and all these things. But you stop and you take a look at his daughter and you're saying, all right, so she's acting out in school. She's already seeing a therapist. And do we know why? You know, and you may put it into different scenarios. But I, I would already stretch to answer that, Joe, and saying it's already impacting. He may think oh, things are fine, but they'll be better when they get divorced. No, his, his focus on an, another relationship, not on his current marriage, not on his daughter, is already creating an impact. So if anything, he needs to remove that blinders of the past and thinking, okay, let me rewrite history, think, okay, well, it didn't really impact me that bad when I was eight, you know, but marriage mm. isn't that permanent. I, I think it's already, and he's not looking at it. Right. Now, obviously, we're only hearing yeah. one side of this, but based on the one side yeah. we're hearing, Understood. this is perfect. This is the perfect illustration of what we're talking about. Here's a person who was very concerned about the welfare of the child until until he got to this thing where, wow, but now I'm involved with Absolutely. this other person. I really want to be heard. And all of a sudden, it's, it's really easy. Uh, I don't say easy. That's the wrong word. It, at least it happened to rationalize, justify, change everything about well, yeah, I know I said it really hurt me when I was a kid, but now that I'm looking at it through a different view, a different filter, and the different filter, if I may so, be so bold, is selfishness. That different filter is, hey, I want to do what I want to do right now. And I want to be happy doing what I'm doing, and therefore my kid will be okay because I choose to think that my kid will be okay, even though my own experience says I know there's going to be pain. And it, would you two both agree with me in the way I'm assessing that or not? Yes, absolutely. I would. So and, can, you know, one of the things mm-hmm. I just keep sitting here thinking is it is so clear that 
the largest group of people in America that are victims that are not being fought for in any way, shape, or form is children who experience the divorce of their parents. They are the victims to someone's hard heart, to someone's poor choice, and no one's doing anything for them. I mean, even in the research, you try and look at programs to help children overcome the negative effects of divorce, and there's been a few every decade that come about, but they're all local, they're all very just, you know, there's a very small impact, and they have a great, they have a great cause, they have a great idea, but it's not helping the children in the masses when there's millions of them who are having to suffer through this and no one is standing up for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I agree with what Kimberly's saying. All right, so what do we do about that? Well, to speak to that, we need to look at the problem. Divorce is so common. It's, oh, you heard about it, you've experienced it, It, but it's so common that you just excuse it as not being something Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. And I think the excusing of the divorce and saying, oh, you know, that was three years ago. Why are you still thinking about that? You know, that was five years ago, or, you know, that's so long ago, or this or that. The, the fact that we excuse something or we try to dismiss it, that is where the issue is because then we're not really looking at it. We're not, you know, grieving through the loss of this you know, parent or the loss of this relationship. We're just saying, no, you know what, it's in the past. It was like a, a cold or a fever. It's past and it's over. But it's not like that. And it's as painful as it is. And, I mean, I understand as well being, you know, having joint custody of a child, you know, sharing, you know, a child. I, I realize that, you know, I'm in a blended family. It's not easy. It, it's not something that you can just, you know, go to my daughter's father and say, oh, you know, hey, you know, how's it going? It's not easy. It's hard and it's painful. But it, it's the focus on the child that says, hey, I know this is painful for me. I know this is not comfortable for me, but I need to do it. And, Kimberly, if you don't mind, could you share a little bit about how we're going to begin that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's happening that we're going to – do at Marriage Helper is we we have made it part of our mission statement, part of our vision statement, and a new division of our company where we're going to fight for these kids. And I don't like to do anything small. And so I see that that there's apps and there's uh, online forums and places for these kids to go like Snapchat and like Instagram and like uh, kids don't really use Facebook anymore, but there's all of these apps and games that children are playing on their phone, and that's what they are retreating to. Um, there's one called Whisper, where children can anonymously post these these concerns that they have, these things in their life that are going wrong that they're just looking for someone to give them advice for. And the type of people that are managing these social media platforms have an agenda. It's, I mean, that's just the what it boils down to. And they're telling these children um, lies and things that they they want that they just want to indoctrinate children with, um, and it's it's not necessarily that they're bad people or that they're predators necessarily, although there are people out there doing that. But it's just that they're trying to take vulnerable children and and mold their minds in a way that's it it just is, and so. Um, I think that's a lot of the issues that we're seeing in America today is the fact that children who experience divorce are looking for a place to belong 
And the only types of people that are accepting them right now are the types of people who have political agendas or the types of people who just don't really care about their honest-to-goodness well-being. And so I, we, as an organization, want to battle that. We want to battle Snapchat. We want to battle Instagram. We want to battle all of this negative and wrong information that children are getting, and we want to tackle real issues. And so one of the things that we're going to do, um, we're not only going to have a website, but we're also going to have an app, and I'll let Justin kind of talk about the difference in the two of that. The website's going to be more for parents, because when parents are going through divorce, the last thing they have time to do is go on Google and figure out all of the ways that they need to be dealing with their children and siphoning out what's the good advice from the bad advice. There needs to be someone in an emotionally stable place like we are and who has vetted the, the content knowing that it's good stuff and then just giving it to the parents so that they can find it all in one place very easy because that's what they need at that point. And then the app that we want to make for children, uh, we're, we're still in the development talking about exactly how it's going to look, but we're wanting it to just be so content-rich where uh, it would have a special search algorithm where if a child types in how they're feeling, if they're just typing in something like, I really – hate my dad right now. Why does he leave? It'll give them a video of someone connecting with them personally and saying, hey, I was there too. This is what I want you to understand. It's not that your dad doesn't love you, but here's what's going on, and you don't have to be alone. And, and just really getting these children in the right spot to where they can communicate with their parents openly and they don't have to feel embarrassed and they know that they don't have to do this alone because right now the children feel so alone and it's it's terrible justin what do you have to add to that yeah no absolutely and i i agree with what you're saying kimberly leaving children out there to the masses whether they have an agenda or not or even if they're just someone hurting as well it's not what anyone would want for their children it's not what i would want for my children so what the heart of what we're doing here is to say hey we need to begin to provide some light here some hope and some sound advice that comes from experts and PhDs, leaders in the industry who can stop and say, hey, you know, what is the best thing we can focus on? So the website is more focused towards the parents because more parents would use a web-based function than a child or a teenager, whereas mobile app development is where every child is nowadays. But the website, the whole intent and content is to help the parents understand the process of divorce how it can impact their child, and how they can help their child work through the divorce as well as themselves because they have to grieve as well and understanding what are some of the ways that they can communicate most effectively with their children because communication becomes one of the most critical and vital things not only for them to process the divorce with their child but for the, the child to begin to learn how to process this event and so where it's not something that's always reoccurring or internalized or something that becomes externalized. Whereas the, the mobile app development, the focus there, and, and Kimberly is right on children, I, I think the most recent study, study by Pew Research was 75% of children are on their mobile app of teenagers, I'm sorry, between the ages of 12 and 18, are on a cell phone at least, you know, three times in the day. And, the, you know, we know the numbers well above that, having seen a lot of children on, the, on their cell phones. But the idea is to go to where the children are. Children are on their phones. They're using apps. They know how to use technology so much quicker than us. But to be able to build an app that is directly set up for the child, to be able to speak to where they are, 
in building smart-based app search that where the child can put in, you know, anger or resentment or frustration or just let out what they're feeling and direct it in a content and age-appropriate way that the child can be able to find and identify with what's being put on the website, or, sorry, the app, that'll find a video of another child that's a similar age saying, hey, you know, here's, you know, why I'm angry. I'm angry because, you know, my dad left, and I don't understand why. Mom's not telling me what's going on, but I don't know what to do. So the child can identify. But at the same time, that same child that they're identifying with can say, here's some things that I think are helpful. How do I talk to my parents about this? I don't want to talk to my parents. How do I talk to my, my mother about this? How can I share what's going on? Because if the child doesn't begin to learn some of these different protective factors that help them, then it becomes so much more difficult for them to be able to develop through this. And so the goal of this process is you're building skills on both sides, not only for the parent with the website, but also for the child on the mobile app as well. Okay, so Kimberly, could you uh, very quickly, succinctly summarize what you guys are saying is going to be available and, and how people can know about it? Right, so what's going to be available is we're going to have a website for, that's mainly for parents. It's going to have content, uh, and what that means is there's going to be videos, there's going to be articles, who knows what else. That content is going to speak to the parent about things that they can start doing right now and implement in their home with their children to help their, their children through the process of divorce. As well, we're going to have an app for children, for children of all ages, and um, it will be reactive to that age. So one of the things is we don't want it to be cheesy. It's not going to be cheesy at all. The, a child's going to feel comfortable using it. They're going to feel age-appropriate using it. It's going to speak to them at the level that they're at. And that app, when they engage with it, is going to be able to make them feel like they are, I mean, okay. long story short, it's it, it's going to provide them the help and healing that they need without them having to feel embarrassed. By Excellent. And so when will this be available and how will people find out about it? The first go thing I would say to do is go to the website, divorcehelpforkids.com. We're still in the initial development phases of this. The website is actually launched now with the landing page. But what we're looking at doing is launching the website here in this June and July by the end of this summer, the website will begin launched with a lot of the content there. Mobile app development, of course, takes a lot more time. We're looking at having a full app development here within the year. But for the time being, I would say divorcehelpforkids.com. You'll see the website. It will have a lot of the content beginnings, and that's really the source where everything begins. Okay, so that's where people start right now. I'd like to hear more about that, but we've got some people who have been holding for a long time with their questions. Is it okay with you guys if we go to one of these callers? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay, we're talking to area code 703. Hello, 703. How can we help this evening? Are you there? You know, I think sometimes when people hold a long period of time, they take bathroom breaks or whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> you and may also have to mute me or Justin, because I think you might only be able to have three people talking at one time. Okay, let's try it this way. Area code 703, are you there? Hello, 703? Okay, we're going to leave that one, and we're going to go down here to area code 210. Hello, area code 210, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. How can we help you this evening? Hi. Um, 
So my question is about a couple of things. So, so basically my husband's been in an affair um, for about probably six months now, and he's kind of saying all the same things. We have two children under two. Um, he's saying all the same things that you've said as far as, you know, they'll be fine and all that kind of stuff. Um, so my question is just kind of trying to figure out, like I've read all the articles and everything, and I'm wondering um, – He's always said that, you know, I don't love him and my family doesn't love him and no one supports him in his life and he doesn't really have a family. Um, and my mom was kind of wanting to step in and and talk to him a little bit um, and just tell him, you know, that she does love him. She doesn't agree with what he's doing, but, you know, she wants him to be a part of his, our family. Um, what are your thoughts on that or is that a bad idea? I think it's going to be all according to what kind of relationship they have had heretofore. Have have they had a conversation? Or have they had the kind of relationship where they can talk openly and honestly with each other? I mean, they've had a pretty good one. Him and my dad haven't, and it's and not a bad one. Um, but he, I think, wanted my dad to be more of a father because his dad kind of abandoned him when he was little. His parents were divorced. Um, right. He kind of resents my dad. But my, my well, but, mom but has been pretty, so, yeah. Pretty good relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, then then obviously we can't tell you what to do because I cannot predict the future, and obviously I don't know your husband. But I think if mom wants to make some kind of a contact with him that is not threatening to begin with, so it could just be a handwritten note, and and basically say those things very succinctly and very warmly in a handwritten note to send it to him, I don't think that'll be a problem. It'll be a problem only if he views her as trying to intervene and tell him what he's supposed to do with his life. In other words, okay, my wife's now brought in other people to attack me. If he views it that way, it'll work badly. But if they've had a conversation, mm-hmm. if they've had a relationship where, you know, that they've actually talked to him more and friendly, and she sends just a little short note, hey, I want you to know I'm here, and, and then say what you just said succinctly and warmly and friendly, I don't know that he'll react positively to it, but I also don't know that he's going to react negatively to it, and it may it may actually open some doors for him to talk to her. Now, mom nor you should get upset if he doesn't respond in a positive fashion. He may just not respond at all in any way. He may respond negatively. If he does that, I strongly suggest that you don't react at all, not one way or the other. In other words, you make a little offering. If he reacts positively, good. Your mom goes to that door. If he doesn't react positively, you just go on as if nothing had happened. Okay. That makes sense. Oh, okay. All right. All I right. hope it works Thank for you. you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put Justin back on here, Kimberly. I'm going to open him back up again. And we, we have 15 minutes left and only one other caller, but apparently, I mean, we've got a lot of people out there listening on their phones. I see that, but only one person that's uh, clicked a thing saying they want to talk to us. And we just tried him or her and had no interaction with them. So I want you guys to kind of sum this up. Um, we've talked about so many things that it can kind of sound like rambling a little bit. So I want to just get really tight with this and go, okay, succinctly, here's the summary. Here's the problem. Here's how to affecting kids. Here's what you can do now. Here's what we will have for you soon. And maybe even here's how you can help us do this. Yeah, okay. Can you repeat that really quick? I got lost in the what the question was. All right. Let's just do it step by step. <laughs> do it succinctly. Just do it succinctly. Number one, 
Summarize, how does divorce affect kids? Let's just hit the highlights briefly with that. Got it. Right, so divorce, go for it, Justin. Divorce affects more than 1.2 million kids in America every year. The poverty, relationship, emotional struggles that go through the, with these kids impact them not only for the moment of divorce, but can impact them throughout their lives. Okay, and it can affect them emotionally. It can affect them relationally in future relationships. It can affect them in their schoolwork in many other ways. Okay, and right, the biggest so, thing that the parents can't control is that it makes the child feel like they are not loved as much as they were when the parents were together. It makes them, uh, or the children, end up doubting the security in their lives, the stability of relationships so on and so forth. So even if they, both parents are just wrapping them up with all kinds of love and compassion and warmth, still it can uh, very likely have that effect on the kids. Is that what we're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So based on that, what can parents do today? Obviously, I mean, we're here, and we will be glad to have you in our workshop to try to help you save your marriage, no matter what your problem is. You can find out about that at marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com, and you can find about all the resources we offer you to help you save your marriage. Beyond that, Kimberly, what resources are available today, right now in this moment, if any, that we can provide to help the parents? As far as resources go, I don't know of any good resources out there. Some of the things that parents can be sure that they do right now for their kids and start implementing would be, uh, first of all, to just shower your child with affection as much as you can. Allow your child to talk about the emotional distress they might be going through to tell you how much things hurt. Um, Just allowing your child to open up and to talk to you about things and to respond to them in, in a loving way. And then also understanding that the amount of conflict in your marriage needs to decrease no matter what happens, which could be a selling point if you want to get your spouse to come to the workshop with you because even though your spouse may not want to save the marriage, you can leave the workshop with a less amount of conflict and understanding how to, how to engage better in, in a co-parenting relationship. Um, And then finally, a lot of the research I read as well stated that when children see their parents forgive each other, it can help the child process the divorce better. So just being sure that you are acting lovingly, you're not talking negative about the other parent, you're forgiving and you're letting your child know that you are forgiving, demonstrating all of those good behaviors is a good step in the right direction, although it's not going to cure everything. So it's crucial. It's crucial that you, in front of your kids, you don't throw the other parent under the bus. This is extremely important. And it's also crucial. Do not ever in any fashion use your kids as pawns against your spouse. Okay. And so divorce help for kids uh, already up. Justin, tell people how they can keep going there and uh, and very succinctly, because we're almost out of time, the kind of things that are going to be available there in the next few weeks or months, if they start looking for it, do that very succinctly, because we have one other thing we need to do. Got it. So to, to wrap it up for Divorce Help, it's divorcehelpforkids.com. 
And what's going to be available there soon are articles and information directly pointed to parents and children for how they can help through the process of divorce. And again, at divorcehelpforkids.com. Okay, and the final part and of that. And if, you want to, and if you want to donate to Divorce Help for Kids, you can do that on the site as well. It's going to take quite a bit of capital to get to get this up and running, and we're not asking, we're not charging for anything, so it's all donation driven. Well, that's about, about what I was about to say. Let me see if I can say a little bit more um, directly, if I may. To make all these resources available, to make these resources available is going to take money. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We've got to pay the PhDs and the experts and et cetera to develop all the material and the videos and et cetera for this. We have people who are donating their time and their help, but at the same time, it's still going to be an expensive process. And the, the sooner we can raise money to, to get the things done that we need to get done, then sooner these resources are going to be available to you. Therefore, if you go to divorcehelpforkids.com, you'll see a button there that says donate. It's tax deductible, and if you donate, that money will be used to start getting these videos and these articles and all these things going so that we can have these resources available to you. And if you can give a lot of money, praise God, please do. If you can only give a little bit of money, praise God, please do. But don't think, well, that's just going to be up to other people. It's one of these things where if it happens, it's going to happen because a lot of people do whatever they can to help us make it happen. We're nonprofit. We're not going to go out. You know, we're not going to be millionaires off this. It's not for us. It's for the kids. And as Kimberly just said, the things on this website and these apps for these kids are going to be free. You heard Justin say earlier that more than half of the kids in America after divorce are living in poverty level. Therefore, we're not going to be charging the kids or their parents for these resources. But that doesn't mean that we can just pull them out of the air. We've got to actually do a lot of things to make these things happen. So if you can go to Divorce Help for Kids and press that donate button, give as much as you can, that money is going to be used to develop all of these things, to pay the experts we need to pay, to pay for the videographers, and the, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all for the kids. Every bit of that is going to be stuff to pay for things that either help directly the parents know how to help the kids or that are directly aimed at the kids themselves. And so every dollar you give is going to be used to help children whose parents are divorced, divorcing, or fighting. And we can't do it without your help. Therefore, divorcehelpfirstkids.com. That's where you go and donate as much as you can. Don't put yourself in a strain. We don't want that to happen. But if a lot of us together do this, we can help these kids. And there's 1.2 million kids under 18 this year, this year, that will be affected by divorce. And you can help those kids if you help right now. So, Justin, Kimberly, we're wrapping it up. What would you like to say? Just in summary for me, I'd say the biggest, the biggest harm in the process of divorce is to do nothing to not look at it, to not care, to not get involved, to not, to me, the biggest harm for all of it is to ignore it and to do nothing. Right. So that's, that's why we are not being silent about it anymore as well. We see how it affects the, the parents who come to our workshop. Many of the people in our workshop were children who were affected by divorce. And we know that if we want to decrease the divorce rate in America, which we will, we know that if we want to do that, we have to start with the children and we have to go through the life cycle 
starting starting with the children who are affected by the divorce. And so we are asking you to partner with us in in this endeavor and it's going to be huge. It's going to be uh it's going to be media worthy. It's going to be a rival to the top apps out there because we wouldn't have it any other way. We really want to affect these millions of children and that we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop until we do. And so we would love we'd love to have your donation in this first in this first phase we're raising a, a few hundred thousand dollars so every every donation counts and every donation is absolutely vital for these children to get this help so join us on our crusade this is a crusade for the kids whose parents are divorced divorcing or fighting to help these kids be resilient to overcome to to be able to do as best they can and to help the parents of these kids who don't know what to do to help their children, but very much want to because they love them so much. So become a partner with us in that crusade, divorcehelpforkids.com. Okay. One last statement from each of you guys, and we're going to sign off for tonight. Justin, what's your closing statement? Closing statement is thank you guys all for listening in. And by all means, go to divorcehelpforkids.com, read the advice, support in any way you can. Absolutely. I, my closing statement is it's, divorce is hard, and I hate that you're having to go through it, no matter which side of the divorce that you're on. Um, don't give up hope for your marriage. That's, of course, um, there's always marriage help, or we're always here for you. But also don't give up fighting for your children, and don't give up fighting for a better future for your children, no matter what the outcome of your marriage is. Just because your marriage ends doesn't mean your children stop needing help. And so keep that in mind. Keep that as the forefront. Keep doing this for your kids. Amen. Very good. We appreciate you guys being part of our program with us tonight. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to have a couple on the program whose marriage was affected very badly by pornography. And this couple will be telling their story and taking calls and talking about porn. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for all who've been part of our program tonight, and good evening.